Chapter Fifteen of the Master Knot of Human Fate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Master Knot of Human Fate by Ellis Meredith. Chapter Fifteen. Women alone know how much attraction there is in the respect which a master shows them. Balzac. The derelict did not afford them much amusement or information. The waves soon beat her to pieces on the savage rocks. Apparently she had been a ship plying between western ports, probably San Francisco and Honolulu. In the wreckage washed up there were a few pounds of rice and some brooms of what they believed to be sugarcane. There was nothing else. Not even a lemon, Robin said disconsolately. Think of living all one's natural life, not only ten, but ten thousand miles from a lemon. Adam laughed sympathetically. It's like a yachting party, I remember. We found that the boat we had engaged had been taken by somebody else, and our set had to be divided. Later in the evening we discovered that we had all the sugar and the other crowd all the lemons. T'was ever thus from childhood's hour I've seen my fondest hopes decay. I never wanted something sour, but what molasses came my way? Never mind, dear. We will go and plant our sugar, and by the time it is ready to sweeten anything, a whole cargo of lemons may have floated into harbor right at our door. They crossed the ranges to the western coast, where there was lower ground, better fitted to the supposed requirements of rice and cane, and had a good deal of amusement out of their ignorance, neither of them having more than a misty idea about either rice or sugar before they reached the stage to be served together. It was quite late when they were through and camped for supper. Remembering their trip of a few weeks previous, that now seemed so long ago, Adam said, "'Are you too tired to sing, dear? It is so long since I have heard you.' She stood up and thought for a moment, and then, putting back her loosened hair, began with Bourdillon's The Night Has a Thousand Eyes, and sang on and on. At last, turning to Adam with a little fond gesture, and altering the words slightly, she sang, Like a laverlock in the lift, sing, O Bonnie Bride. All the world was Adam once, with Eve by his side. What's the world, my lad, my love, what can it do? I am thine, and thou art mine. Life is sweet and new. If the world have missed the mark, let it stand by, for we two have gotten leave, and once more we'll try. Once more, Adam repeated. Once more, my darling. Oh, life is sweet and new for us. We can afford to lose the world. When will you come to me, love? When? She shook her head with a little willful laugh, and all the glistening glory of her hair fell about her like a wedding veil. "'Wait,' she said. "'Wait a little. 
The flax is not nearly ready for spinning yet. Can a bride forget her attire? Besides, how can we be... She paused and let her silence fill the gap. When I know we neither of us know any ceremony more dignified than hopping over a broomstick? They started homeward, walking slowly through the dimly lighted mountain gorges, talking the ineffable nonsense that lovers never weary of. As they came to a brook that rushed noisily down the ravine, Adam stepped across and held out his hand to her. "'Wait a moment,' he said. "'Just where you are, dear, and say this with me. "'Over running water, my love I give to you, "'my life I pledge to you, "'my heart I take not back from you while this water runs. "'Over running water, every seventh year, "'at this time of the year, at this hour of the night, I will meet you here to renew my troth, death alone to relieve me of this vow. Is that all? she asked wonderingly. Over running water while this water runs, while there is any snow on the mountains, or rivers upon land, or waters in the seas, or clouds in the skies, when the world is old, and the sun burned out, and time grows weary. I shall love you still, always and forever. What is it all about, love? He clasped her close and did not answer at once. Don't you know the old Irish troth, he said, which would have been enough, even in that hard, unromantic world of ours, to have made you legally my wife, if said over any Scottish stream? I thought you knew. You are sure I would not trick you? You know I could not. He put her head back on his shoulder and looked into her shining eyes. It seemed to him he could not bear even a look of reproach. She raised her hands almost as if she were placing an invisible crown upon his head and let her arms fall about his shoulders. Then I am your wife while living water runs? "'Forever and forever,' he replied. "'Oh, wait, wait just a little,' she answered. End of chapter 15 Recording by Roger Moline